My favorite superhero, uh, it, it, like I said, it's a tough call, but I think it all comes down to the coolness of him, and that is Batman. You, Jordan, you chose Batman too, so we're Batman brothers. Uh, the reason why I love Batman is because he doesn't have any uh, immense superhero powers. But what he does have is really cool toys. <laughs> I mean, look at this. Uh, flip to the next slide. Uh, I went to Warner Brothers Studio with uh, my beautiful wife, Kim. And we got to see the Batmobile. The tumbler is in the back. And then there's the bat rod there. And I don't know if you know about the tumbler, but the tumbler has an actual, they put a jet engine on the back of it. This is not fake. It's real. And so what they said they do is they take it to the dike, uh, which is about a two-mile-long strip, and they'll actually uh, let it go. And they say that you can hear it clear across the city uh, as this thing takes off. It, it is so cool. And, and that's the toys that Batman has. So that's why I love them. But Bruce Wayne, Batman, uh, has all these toys and he goes out and he fights crime. But to do that, he uh, has to separate his, his Batman nature from his uh, Bruce Wayne nature. And uh, unlike Iron Man, who constantly has to deal with press because everybody knows who Iron Man is, Batman separates that and he wears masks. Now, I know he's a fictitious character, and you see there's the Flash, uh, Spider-Man, and Green Lantern, as well as the Batman mask there. But as I look to our own situations, I think each one of us has masks that we wear. We always have to have it together. Are you with me on that one? We can't seem to, to, you know, have dropped any balls. And so when people ask us, how you doing? I'm great. I'm good. Pretty good. Even though a family member has just been diagnosed with cancer. Or, you know, something else uh, really tragic has happened in their life. We wear masks. I think we wear masks in other areas around with each other. Uh, I think we wear masks financially as a culture. We, we buy a lot of stuff that we can't afford. Uh, but we, we look to it, and we look to people who have the big house, two cars, maybe a boat, and we say, they're pretty well off. But if you talk to them behind closed doors, they're living in debt, and they can barely scrape by uh, to pay the bills. We wear masks in that way. We wear masks emotionally. And uh, we will just hide them. If we are on the verge of crying because we've had a really rough day, we will go to the bathroom. We will uh, get anywhere away from people so that we can uh, internalize those emotions. And understandably, there are reasons why we wear masks. I think there's a lot of hurting and depraved people in the world. But if we truly shared, if we sat down two people who are going through a lot, because we know that every single one of us has things that we're going through, and we just sat and had a conversation and were real, I don't think we'd be embarrassed at all of what's going on in our lives. Because we all have our stories. 
We all have things that happen to us. In our uh, relationship with God, I think we wear masks as well. In our thinking and our feeling, we give them quick praises and then we move on to our uh, checklist for our friends, our missionaries, and those people in need. And, and then we go to our own shopping list and then that's it. And we just put to side the major issues that are untouched. You know, I'm really mad at God right now, but shh, don't tell him. Or you have some serious doubts that God actually exists, or if he does exist, that he even cares about you. Are you doubting that he's a loving God? You believe in him, but man, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. How could a loving God allow that to happen? Am I wrong? Or are these thoughts that we all have, that we wrestle through? David was a man after God's own heart. That's how the Bible describes David. When you, that would be the most amazing title ever. Can you imagine if somebody can't, hey, uh, I was reading the Bible, and Jordan, uh, it says in the Bible that you are a man after God's own heart. And I'd just like to say congratulations, high five. David has this pristine biblical title. And I think the coolest thing about David is David was not perfect by any means. David had trials that he went through in his life, and he even fell away from God at times. All we have to do is look to David and Bathsheba for that. But in all of it, I think the coolest person in the Bible for me is David because we can get an inner conversation with God. We, are, we, we have an eye on that as we look to the Psalms. You see, David in the Psalms, he, he didn't write all the Psalms, but he wrote uh, quite a number of them. And in it, he expresses uh, feelings of extreme joy. Praise, adoration. He talks about creation and how amazing it is. And then on the other hand, he goes to just utter desperation and sorrow and grief. We get to see a well-rounded view of what a Christian deals with through the story of David. You know, speaking of the Psalms, do you know that out of 150 Psalms, 61 of them are laments? 61 of them are emotional, intense Psalms of doubting, Psalms of sorrow, depravity, darkness, experience of fear. 61 Actually, they say it's more than 61 because there's part of other psalms that have laments within it. So today I thought I would share my favorite psalm, which is actually a lament. And I invite uh, Dustin to come forward. And uh, we're going to do something a little different today. The psalms were actually meant more as, as a hymnody, as a worship binder, than it was to just be read. And so I thought this morning, um, and I'd invite you guys to stand, and I'm going to teach it to you, and then we'll sing it again. And we are going to sing Psalm 13. So I invite you guys to stand.
Must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have such sorrow in my heart? Look on me and answer, oh God, my Father, bring light to my darkness. Before they see me fall Join me in singing this How long, oh Lord Will you forget me? How long, oh Lord Will you look the other way? How long, oh I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have some sorrow in my heart. Look on me and answer, oh God, my Father, bring light to my darkness before they see me fall. What went through your mind as you sung this, this song? It's not a typical song that we sing as uh, a church. And so what I want you to do is to take two minutes, and I want you to just discuss it with uh, a family or a, a people around you. And I want you to ask the question, what, how did I feel as I was singing this? What emotions uh, did you experience as you sung this, uh, this song? And uh, so take two minutes, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Well, we're not going to take too long to, to talk about this. Uh, what, what, is anybody brave enough? Can, can somebody say, what, what came to mind? What emotions did you experience when you, talked about, or when you sung the song, uh, How Long, O Lord? Any brave souls? You could relate to it, and it brought you back to a time when, uh, when, when you could experience those feelings. Yeah. Any, anybody else? Difference? The same? Just a refreshing honesty there. Like, refreshing honesty. The reality is that life can suck sometimes, so why not just acknowledge it and, yeah. and share it with each other? Life just sucks sometimes. Yeah. And it's refreshing to sing it out like this. Was it a little 
Was it a touch bit awkward, though, to sing this as a congregation in, in church? I mean, it's not a song that we often sing. Uh, what do you think? Did anybody find it awkward? Good. There is one part to the song, and uh, we'll just go through it again. It says, How long, oh Lord, will you forget me? David says, he's just in utter despair. He says, God, I feel like you're, you've abandoned me. This is not, uh, um, God, uh, I, I hate to bring to your attention, uh, I know you're on the other side of the world, uh, but if you could just uh, remember me now, because I think you forgot. It, it's, God does not forget in that way. The, the psalm actually says, will you forget me forever? What David is saying here is that he just feels abandoned. He is in utter despair. There's chaos going on all around him. And he cries out, how long will you forget me? says, how long, oh Lord, will you look the other way? God, look on me. See what's going on in my life. There's people all around me who are prospering. All around me, people who are wicked are, are seeming to have everything good. And I am just in this place of despair. Next slide. It says, how long, oh Lord, must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have such sorrow in my heart? Do you hear the anguish that's going on in the psalmist's heart right now? What, what I don't get is that David goes from utter despair, anguish, sorrow in his heart, to the point where he's saying, God, you've abandoned me. And then suddenly, click to the next slide. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. How does David go from despair, and this is not just a small bit of despair, he is in trouble, and he feels that God is nowhere to be seen in his life right now. From that to suddenly, but I trust in you, God. You have been good. You will be good to me. I struggled with this as I was looking at the psalm uh, as I was doing my research for this. In many conversations with people, I've come to the conclusion that they that most people have many hurts inside of them. People in our congregation. People in the world. But we wear masks. We wear masks with God at times because we feel like we can't be real with God. I hate to break it to you. He knows what's going on in your heart, is what I tell myself. But still, there's this barrier that goes up. I've heard of uh, despair that's going on, the helplessness, depression. 
How could God do this to me? How could God allow this to happen? How could God allow my son, my daughter, my grandson, somebody who's much younger than me to die? I don't get it. He is not a loving God. He can't be. How can God allow me to live in such isolation? I feel like nobody loves me in the world. How? These are all uh, conversations that I've had with people. How could God allow me to lose my house, my job? I got to take care of my family. Doesn't he care? My wife's abandoned me. My husband's abandoned me. And now my story. My dad's abandoned me. How could you allow this to happen, God? I'm nine years old. My dad was my hero. And you allow him to say to me and walk out of my life and say, I don't want to see you anymore and walk out? You cannot be a loving God. Have you ever dealt like that? Have you ever been in a place where you're like, God, just, he might be a loving God, but he sure as heck doesn't love me. I've been there. You know, there's a simple answer to this question. Well, God allowed sin into the world so that we could have free choice, free will, so that we're just not happy little droids Running around saying, well, we probably wouldn't be running. We'd just be kneeling and just saying, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God allowed us to have free will. And through that free will came sin. And through that sin came broken relationships. Because when we lie, when we steal, when we deceive, when we do all of these things, we cause hurt to the people around us. So yeah, that's the simple answer. Or not so simple, but yet an answer. And I think we should bank that in our theology because when you are not in the thick of things, it is proper theology, something to hold on to. It's good, solid reasoning. But try telling that to the father who just lost his wife. The father of three kids. Try telling that to the kids that are struggling with the loss of their mother. Somehow it kind of seems like a slap in the face, doesn't it? God really was a God of love. He wouldn't allow this to happen to me. God, you've forgotten about me. I'm wrestling with my Thoughts, I am in deep despair in my heart, and you're hanging on to your justice? Am I the only one who's had this feeling before, this thought? So how do we reconcile this? How do we see God for who he is as a truly loving God? How does David, in the midst of despair, go from feeling abandoned to pulling a 180 and trusting in God. I have to confess, uh, 
<laughs> this is a hard question to answer. And I hope I can answer it for you. It's something that I've come to as I'd wrestled with uh, my journey of growing closer to God and dealing with the tough questions. It may revolutionize your view on pain and suffering, or it may not. But here it is. When you hurt, when you're mourning the loss of relationship, when you are crying because of loneliness and loss, God is right there. Jesus is right there crying with us. You see, God isn't a passive observer. Listen to the intimacy of God and the intimacy he has with us in the scriptures. It's found in Psalms 139. It says, For you created me, sorry, you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God cared about you since before anybody knew you existed. When he knit you in his mother's room. That is just an intense intimate relationship that God has with us right from the beginning working with youth in various churches and communities I've heard from parents about how hard it is to see their children go, go through pain and there's a lot of parents in this congregation and I know that your your children have uh or many of them have experienced relational heartache at times or, or just physical pain. How is it? How do you feel when your son or daughter comes to you and, and is just bawling and you just wrap yourself in, or wrap your arms around him or her and you cry with them? Because it's something deep and emotional and you feel the pain that your son or daughter is going through. How much more if your son or daughter chooses not to come to you? In talking with these people, it's, it's painful. You just want to stop the hurt. But you know that sometimes hurt has to be allowed. Or, or even more, that you just can't stop the hurt. I think that's our relationship with God. You see, God isn't a void of emotions. Jesus showed us this time and time again on earth. He was angry. He was just, I think that he was just distraught when Lazarus died. It says Jesus wept. Jesus was crying because one of his good friends had just died. Jesus experiences the same emotions that we experience. He laughs. He does all of those things. He's experienced it all. And I think God does as well. You see, I don't think emotionality is a flaw like some people might think of God. 
making an, a decision based on emotionality might be, but the actual emotions that God experiences does not make him less of a God. It makes him more of a God. We are created in his image. And emotions are part of that. He's walked with you all your life and he longs for you to come to know him more. He longs for you when you are hurt to run into his arms. I would go so far as to say that I think God mourns for us. And he is more hurt than ever when we run away from God instead of running towards him. Just like a parent. I'm here, my son. I'm here, my daughter. He wants us to come to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. God cares about our emotional state, and he wants to take our weariness and our burdens The problem in this whole equation, I think, is that we don't want to give up control. I got this God, and we, we push God away. And we say, you know, you're, you could be a part of that, but in terms of like working, I'm just going to go and work, and I'm going to make money, and I got this great plan to be retired by 65 and to give lots of money to the poor and all that, and I'm just going to go and do it. And, uh, and, and you're with me, I know you are. And we just push God to the side. Now, I'm not saying that making goals is, is wrong. And I'm not even saying that having a, a goal for, for uh, giving to the poor or to having a retirement plan, that that's wrong. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, is this is not God's plan for your life. If the direction you're taking isn't God's plan then you don't have the almighty maker of the universe in your cart directing your steps. You're relying on one person or the opinions of your friends as well. I got ahead of myself. <laughs> but it's hard to give up control. And so we hurt and we are not comforted The times when I am farthest away from God are the times when I think I hurt the most. And I don't even realize it at first. Have you ever been in that place where uh, you just get busy and so you don't have time to dig into the scriptures? And you don't have time uh, to have some time talking with God and praying with Him. And... I know that sometimes it's hard to get to small group for me. There's lots going on, but I know when I get there, it's a great experience. But when I miss out on hanging out with other people who, who believe the same thing as me and we can discuss issues that matter, that is important and that leads us closer to God. When we come together on Sunday morning and we worship God corporately, when we get a chance to hear from the Word of God up front, those are all things that draw us closer to God. And when we slip on those things, 
when we go away from Him rather than coming near to Him, that is when we are at our lowest point. Like any relationship, when we neglect our relationship with Jesus, we distance ourselves from Him. At the times we need Him the most, when the brown smelly stuff has hit the fan... If we have taken control of our lives and pushed God to the side because we have no time for Him or we're mad at Him or whatever's going on, then we push God at arm's length. Then the bad stuff happens and we feel alone and we go, God, where are you? And He says, I love you. See, friends, this is it. God loves you, and He wants an incredibly intimate relationship with you. He is saying to you, Yes, I have allowed for bad things to happen in the world, but I love you so much, and I want to walk with you, and I want to guide you by the hand. What more did I have to do to show that I love you than I sent my only son to get nailed to a cross and die? I watched that. And I did it for you. You know what? Continuing into talking like God, uh, as, as God here, uh, you know, it hurts when you don't come to me. But I forgive you every time. And I long for you to realize that I know what's best for you, Mike. Give me control. Come to me. I will carry your burdens. I will give you rest. Don't you see, Mike? I think that's how David was able to come to a place from desperation into utter, utter trust in, in God. You see, David would wake up in the morning and he would talk to God. And he would meditate on the word of God and he would be in corporate worship. He created songs for corporate worship. Yeah, David slipped. He would come back to God and say, God, I am so sorry. And I'm sure he sinned more than the one time in scripture that it talks about. But David looked back on his life and he saw that it is good what you've done. When I'm walking with you, you are good to me. And I know that you will continue to be good to me. Hear my prayer, oh God. I'm struggling right now. Asaph, another one of the psalmists, cries out a similar prayer in Psalm 73. He's being incredibly real and authentic, and he articulates a crisis of faith. He says, God, I look all around me, and I see wickedness. I see the wicked, not just there, but prospering. And then he actually says this. He says, he 
envies the arrogant when he sees the prosperity of the wicked. They have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. He says they scoff and speak with malice. In their arrogance, they threaten oppression. Have you ever felt like that? God, I'm trying my absolute best to be a good person and to draw closer to you. And all I see around me is people that aren't doing that prospering. And I don't think we can look at it as a prosperity of, of wealth. But emotions, a, a spirit, there, there, there's a different type of prosperity that we have to deal with, that we try to embrace. Because many of us, I don't, I don't think anybody goes home and doesn't have food in their cupboards like the psalmist did back in, uh, in, in biblical times. Uh, but we look at other people who are prospering, we just go, they have everything. They have everything they need. They have a good family. They, you, you seem to just be blessing the socks off them. Why? Then he came to a realization. I think for eight. Asaph, it was an aha moment that is similar to what David experienced in Psalm 13. And he says this, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Aha! I didn't have the right idea of what's going on. I didn't even know it was important. Yet I am always with you. God is always there. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with counsel, and afterwards you will take me into glory. I think what Asaph realized that he looked at what everybody else had and really it's all nothing. Things pass away. But having God in our hearts, the Spirit of the Lord upon us, that's what matters. That's what ultimately matters. Hear me, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I want to make myself clear. God loves us so much, but we won't always be happy. We're going to go through stuff that sucks, as you eloquently put it. God isn't the happy drug on this life, okay? Don't just take the drug and then everything's going to be peachy and fine and, and no worries will ever happen to us. We know that bad stuff is going to happen in the world. Listen, but God is going to walk right beside us. He's going to give us life purpose. Comfort in your brokenness. Provide people in your life. If you give up control. And so the worship team's coming. And... I, I've been quite emotional up front and I know some of you might be emotional right now and I just want to give you the op opportunity to talk to God. And so we're going to sing this psalm again, Psalm 13, How Long, O Lord? And 
If you need to just spend some time with God, use this time. Be authentic with God in the same way that David was authentic with God. So God, we thank you that you care for us even when we can't see it. I pray right now that you would rest your spirit upon us and that you would speak to us and have conversation with us.